Welcome back to another episode of Life of Brian. We are proudly brought to you by Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies. I saw two of their trucks on the road this week between Geelong and Melbourne. Can you believe that? They are everywhere. 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 All over the place. All right. So, so to kick us off today, yep. I, th- I feel like there's a bit of confusion or we just haven't set the scene as to who we are, as in the Taylor family. This podcast isn't just about... Us, it's about football and various other walks of life and your life as a broadcaster. But I just want to do a bit of a family rundown. There's four boys and then there's mum and dad. Why are you so family conscious? Why do we need to bring family into it all the time? What are you doing here anyway? Well, well, you know, I'm your co-host, so I'm I'm kind of a big deal now. Yeah, okay. All right, you're a big deal. So what do you want me to talk about? We're just going to run through everyone in the family and and you're going to give a bit of a spiel or a few points about everyone. In order? In order of uh, acquisition? Import- importance of you or acquisition. If I'll you're... do it in order of acquisition. And by the way, we've got one of the boys here who's here to defend himself and just chime in where he's Jesse, who's the youngest one. How old are you, Jess? 22? Yeah. Come close to the microphone, mate. I don't know. It won't bite you. It's like a drumstick. Lick it. A work um, experience kid. He's yeah. It. yeah, we've yeah, got a so work so. experience kid. So what do you want me to do? Just uh, Yeah, go Tanya. Tan- who's so Tanya? you want me to talk about my family, about who they are in the family. So when you get to hear them over the next few months, you'll understand who Exactly, because we're going to introduce well, Tanya is my wife, and she's my wife of at least 35 years. Could be 36 or 37, but it's a lot. You know, I met her in Perth, and within six weeks of meeting, meeting her in Perth, I had proposed to her. That's a story for the podcast. I found a keeper. Not many people find a keeper. Six weeks. Six weeks I was, uh, I'd proposed to her. That's how certain I was as, you know, that this person was the right person. Takes me six weeks to say hello to a girl. Yeah, well, at six weeks it was all done classy, uh, intelligent, um, finite, uh, lovely, lovely, family-driven person very classy because it is always extremely well dressed yeah it's oh she loves her clothes it's risky business picking a wife or or choosing a wife or um confirming a wife or proposing to her it's risky because a lot of people do make the wrong decision i made a ripper she was an eltham girl she was into horses so that's tanya she's travel agent a a travel agent that's how i met her uh, blah 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 um, so yeah, she's a bit, uh, she's a bit like that. Not, so not super sporty or athletic. Not sporty at all. In fact, yeah. I think they nicknamed it Tangle. She trips over yeah. her own toes. Yeah. She once claimed that she was a state oh. netballer yes, and, now. <laughs> and, and we did a bit of investigating. Yes. So she said, she kept telling us for years, I'm a state netballer, I'm a state netballer. I'm thinking, Jesus, you can't be a state netballer. You, you, you're pretty uncoordinated. <laughs> and, um, and then she finally, after about 20 years of us calling her a state netballer and she saying she was, she actually said, oh, no, I went to the state netball centre once. She played, <laughs> she played at the state netball hockey yeah, centre. In D grade or something. It was, uh, <laughs> now, Ryan is the oldest of the four boys. Got the four boys. So Ryan's the oldest. He's about 33, I think he is. 34. 34. Okay, and his his claim to fame was when he was trying to make it as a footballer because all of the boys played um, TRC Cup in some way, shape, or form, or, or reached that. He sort was of the level. most least athletic of the bunch. Well, of hang them. on, hang on. He played on. What about this? I went to watch a practice game, and he was playing on Liam as Liam Jarrah. He's playing is for walking, Collingwood VFL. Yeah, Collingwood VFL. And as Liam Jarrah is walking towards him, I'm going, "Don't line up and Ryan, please don't go to Ryan because Liam Jarrah." would absolutely turn him inside out and everyone else on the field 
he would turn this inside This is when out. Jarrah was struggling. Yeah. So, um, anyway, he played on Liam Jarrah. That, that's, he played uh, Liam Jarrah into form, I think. He's a superhero weirdo. Uh, his favourite superhero uh, person is Batman. He's just got Batman stuff everywhere. So that's a little bit weird that he's a superhero what weirdo. What does he do for work? He's a uh, he's a cameraman and editor. Yep, for for uh, seven for seven, and previously with Fox and a very all very of that. good one. Really good, really really good at his work. Highly highly desired by those in the trade, and um, and is really really super duper at what he does. And he's married to to Jess. He's okay. married to Jess, and they've just had a kid. So that's the first grandkid. What's his name? Noah. Very good. And, and a long pause just for suspense. <laughs> and, and Noah's one. So uh, I'll talk to Noah when he can talk to me and when he can walk. That's when I'll uh, get to know Noah. They're on a, a big farm down in there in Barrable, aren't they, as yeah, well? Down Bar- Couple, oh, two, two acres. acres. So that, that's Ryan. The next one down is Jordan. He's 31. Is that right? Yep. Yep. 31. Uh, he never talked till he was four. That's, that's yeah. a fact. Well, three, it, three or four. It was that a was mute. a fact. He, he just wouldn't talk. Uh, we even talking to a, a talking pathologist, and uh, they dealt with him and said, "No, look, he will talk at some stage." And uh, he did. He did talk eventually. Um, he refuses to settle down. He just wants to travel his whole life. Um, he does a little bit of uh, work in between. I would describe him as the classic uh, Croatia party boat operator. Yeah. Uh, all he thinks about is Croatia party boats, parties, and all of those. Trinkets that come with parties he, he, in Croatia. He is, he is the life of the party, and his whole life is a party, isn't it? Jess, is yeah. No, what is he looking for? You got any idea what he's looking oh, for on no. the party boat in Croatia? <laughs> oh, something, something, something. In particular. Yeah, yeah. Oh. he's the problem child, though. Bit of a dark horse in yeah. the family. He's a chippy. He's a FIFO. Works, uh, flies in and out of so a, a gold chippy mine. or a FIFO. Well, he was. He, he's qualified as a chippy. Um, and now he's gone into the FIFO work for some uh, some quick loot yeah. so he can go on the party boats. And his claim to fame was that he broke Blake Carousella's brother's under-12 backstroke, backstroke record, record at Diamond Creek. Creek pool. He, he, at the swimming club. <laughs> he was a good swimmer when we had him under control. Uh, so since then, it's all party, 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 and I'm not sure when it's going to end, but I just wish he would start to settle down, find a, find a tanya, and uh, settle down, get into it, and uh, buy a house or something. Do something normal. You just can't keep... Pissing your money up against the wall. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, no. Harrison, then there's you. Oh, Captain hit, Sirius. Hit me. Captain Sirius. Uh, he's always, um, your auntie has always wanted to bottle you because she thought you were just so delightful and, uh, you know, you got that smile as a kid and always smiling as a kid and never, never saw you cry. Uh, that was your auntie that thought that, not me. Um, uh you're an athlete manager, so you work for NC Management, who are a big management company of um, of athletes. So Ash Barty and Steph Gilmore and Molly Picklam and uh, Richo and myself and a few other people in the, in the footy world. And Nikki and Ben Mathias, formerly Nikki, Nikki and Craig, ben. hence the yep. NC. So they have a great business run out of the Gold Coast. You you do a little bit of work for them here in Melbourne. Not um, much, apparently. What uh, you? Out of Melbourne. So that and that. And business- I manage you. And that business is growing. I, I try to. Me. And I said to you that when you took on the management of me, this will be the hardest client you've ever had. And boy, and, has it been. Yes, <laughs> because I need to make it hard for you so that you understand that you're going to run across a few me's in the future. You have been by far the most difficult client. But you've also been very honest with me. I've learned a lot um, just because you can tell me exactly how it is and how it should be. So your age, 26? No. What are you, 25? No. 27? Yeah. Yeah, so you're 27. You're probably the glue of the family. You you bring it all together a bit. And then there's Jesse who's sitting beside Wait, you Wait, that's probably the nicest thing you've ever said oh, to me. 
glue's um, you know, it can be dissolved. An average, with an average polish, glue. <laughs> nail polish remover. He doesn't know when to shut his mouth. Um, and then true. there's you, Jess. Pipsqueak, uh, as he's affectionately known. You're 22, aren't you? 22. Got that one right. Um, he's the most spoiled out of all of the boys being the last. Uh, he was supposed to be a girl. Uh, he ended up being a boy. Um, so we, we, we've got what we got. Um, I want to just harp on that for a second. You were actually consulting when you were trying to conceive yeah. young Jesse, you were consulting some kind of sexologist. No, Tanya was. Tanya was. I didn't know. You had no, you just I said. I had no idea. She just said, get say, on with come it. Come on, Dale, we're going to bed. I said, Jesus, 7.30, the news is barely finished. She had consulted a sexologist to try and get a girl. Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, she'd be saying, it's time. <laughs> what for the barbecue? <laughs> and did she have like a, a Chinese um, tea beforehand? And oh, you... she had all that shit. She had bloody gingwa mats and all sorts of crap <laughs> going on. Um, Weird. Anyway, so Jesse Pipkrit, twenty-two. Uh, he's the most spoiled. Uh, he's famous. He, he's fa uh, I wouldn't say famous. Infamous for hosting the Fitzroy Garage Sesh. He was the uh, he was the instigator, the open door manager of the famous. Look it up. Fitzroy Garage says, yeah, look, look it up on that. TikTok. We're gonna we're gonna harp on that one episode. I think that's a full episode. He is an elite athlete as well. He is an elite runner. You reckon you're good at running? This guy will run the pants off you, Harrison. He oh, would, don't worry. I've he seen would it. strip you down and shoot you off in no time at all. So, and all of you have been very good at the uh, sport of football and basketball and, and other associated things. So that's the family. If whoa, they whoa, appear, whoa, 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 whoa! We're missing time one, time. and potentially two. We need to do you. What? Well, yeah. you're. You know the the Mandra boy, the big big tough Mandra boy from WA, um, the son of a truck driver. Yeah. Your um your own mother actually said her life motto is it's only cheating if you get caught. That says a lot about you. <laughs> That's what my mother said. She said that. <laughs> um, you've obviously never been wrong. You're impossible to impress, and you're the apparent undisputed world UNO champion. Yes, I am. I think five times over. Yeah, I thought it was eight the last time you said it. <laughs> but anyway, that's you. Are All we doing that. Hansel or is Hansel? No, Hansel the dog is beautiful. He's mine. No one yeah. else needs to know about him. Beautiful. But yeah, we're all a great disappointment to you. Um, no. You, you're, just remember, I don't necessarily – people say to me, oh, Brian, you know, you're not enjoying yourself today because I'm not smiling. Hey, listen, mate, I don't smile that much on the outside, but what I do is I have a big smile on the inside. So that's don't mistake that for not enjoying. Not to get all sentimental, but you you see you get great joy out of seeing others enjoying yes. themselves and having fun. Yes, I do. Yep. So and that doesn't necessarily mean I have to smile about. It. I'm smiling on the inside. All right. So that's the family. You'll yep. hear from them time to time. We'll get Mrs. T in one day, and uh, we'll show you how classy she is. Um, all right, uh, we've got uh, Richo coming up shortly, who, who's our special guest today, Matthew Richardson. Look forward to having a, a chat to him, the 800-goal superstar, three-time All-Australian. Before we do that, let's talk a little bit of footy. What do, we, what do you want to talk about today? What, yes, what items have you I'm got for me? Captain Serious, I'm going to steer the ship. Yep. You want to talk about um, the Brody Grundy experiment. Simon Goodwin made a, yes, a statement. I heard recently. Simon Goodwin uh, come out today in a, in a press conference. Uh, this is obviously a couple of days later that this has gone to air. But um, he, he said that the Brody Grundy experience, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, had basically failed as a forward. Um, and I would assume as a ruckman too, even though he didn't actually say that, because while we know Brody is a, good, a really good ruckman, an elite All-Australian ruckman, it didn't allow Max Gorn to play his role in the ruck for long enough to be able to dominate the games that we've seen him do without Grundy there. So what Goodwin is saying is that it's a fail. I just wonder, what is the point in saying that on the eve of the finals? What is the point of saying that? Because if I'm Brody Grundy, 
he would be feeling really ordinary about himself now. He'd be down in confidence because to have a coach speak and say that the experiment has failed. If I'm Brady Grundy, I'm thinking, what? What do you mean it's failed? I'm still here. I still want to have a crack. He I wants want to, a boost of confidence. He wants to play finals. So imagine this. So now he's feeling really shit about himself. Imagine Max Gorn goes down this week or in the first final and is injured. You know, you've you, you've you've lowered his confidence. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say nothing and say, listen, anything can happen between now and when we're out of the finals or whether we win the premiership. So we need to have him ready to go. We can't have him low in confidence. So I just thought it was a very strange thing to say about a player when the season's not finished and you may need him at some stage. You want to keep him engaged. Keep. Him I want to keep him engaged and then deal with deal with the other stuff at the end end of their season. I think the um, the quality of Brody Grundy's character would would see if, if Max Gorn was to go down, he would see it as a, as a great challenge and probably step up and, and do the job. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. Well, I, you don't have to agree with me because you're, right. you're I just won't, a host. I won't agree with no you. No one gives a shit about your opinions, all right? <laughs> so don't think all of a sudden think your opinions matter. All right. What's the next footy topic? Yeah, the Crows versus Swans finish last week or now a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, this so, is irritating. So everyone's complaining about ARC and the quality of the cameras and all this stuff. You um, want to harp on that it wasn't actually well, an arc I, I, error. Don't give my answers away. Um, right. Go on. Yeah, well, I watch Fox a lot during the week and on that show, I think it's called 360 or something like that, Jared Waitley and that Robbo. Good show. Um, but they were carrying on and, and so have most of the media about how the um, the goal review system hasn't worked. What a disgrace, you know, not good enough, not high enough technology, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm sitting at home thinking to myself, Really? How did the technology fail? How did the goal review system fail? It didn't get referred to the goal review system. So it didn't fail. In fact, I think if it had have got referred, there's no doubt that it would have been awarded a goal. So how can people out there be saying that the goal review system failed? No, it was a human error that didn't, and I feel so sorry for that goal umpire, it was a human error that didn't um, didn't refer it to the goal review system. So the goal review system hasn't let anyone down and I still regard it as, as good enough to do what it needs to do. So what do you think should have happened? Or what, what's... Nothing should happen. No, We should just move on and get on with it. And um, perhaps I could say one thing. I just think on the back of the NBA's rule that they brought in a couple of years ago about all calls can be reviewed in the last two minutes of the game. It doesn't matter about the first two minutes of the first quarter or the second quarter or the third. The only thing that matters is when the scoreboard gives you a W or an L at the end. So I think the coaches should be able to have one review of scores only, not free kicks, of scores only in the last two minutes of a game. One, one, a score review. They, they, if the umpire doesn't call it, they can call it. But only on scores, not on free kicks, because they can be very subjective. But aren't they- Only on scoring. One challenge from each coach in the last two minutes of the game to do with scoring only. But isn't that the other thing that everyone's complained about, and I'm sure you complain about it because you love complaining, is holding up the game? No, uh, we're all happy. We all thought that about the NBA, didn't we? And we're all happy to get the right decision. I think the most important thing is to get the right decision, get it the clear right decision. We can't come away with the wrong decision. Yep. And and if we've got technology that can do it, let's stop the game for a minute. Um, you know, the emergency umpire on the on the boundary holds up a flag and says, yep, coach has challenged here. 
bang, we go to the review. Won't take probably won't take more than ten seconds extra what a normal goal review would take. Yep. All right. So moving on, um, and one more thing. Remember, they have communication in their ears. Yeah. Someone can talk to them and say, "Hey, the the coach has challenged this. Let's have a look at it." <laughs> it seems like you just want to get a lot off your chest and you know release some steam. Well, I a sit bit. at home listening to all this stuff during the week, and I don't have a forum where. I can say anything about it, and it mounts up in me. And I, I ring you and I say, make sure you talk about that on the in the podcast because that's wrong. All right. Next, you want to talk about the system versus personnel, the Craig McRae, um oh, yes, pies so model of obviously oh, all successful teams. All recent, recent. All clubs at this level operate on a system. That is, if a, a player, game style. Yeah, if a player gets dropped, Jesse Taylor comes in, and he fills the gap and does plays the role and does the job because it's a system. He doesn't have to come in and be Buddy Franklin. He just has to come in and do what's required of that position under the system of who, whichever club it is. And I heard Craig McRae talking about this, saying that uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who comes in, uh, our system will ensure that you know it's the same result. That's all right if you're only missing one or two players. But if you're missing your best three players and several others as well, which they are, then the system starts to fall down because, let's face it, you know, the guy who's number 28 on the list is not as good as Nick Dykos at playing that his role in that system. So there is a lessening effect. So while I agree they are all taught system and system can stand up, when you've certainly when you've got your best team on there, the systems always stand up. But as you lose players, the system is gradually eaten away because of the quality of the players that replace you aren't as good. Yes, all they have to do is follow the system, but they're still not as good. So, I, you know, system is great, but not always possible. Yep. Well said. Good. Are you done? Thank you. I'm done. Is that if, that, if that's whinging, that, I don't see that as whinging, Harrison. I'm no, I didn't say whinging. I'm use the term whinging. I never I said just, whinging. I, listen, you whinge all the time. <laughs> and by the way, I, I spend half my life in Fitzroy living with you guys on the weekend when I come out to the footy. My razor blades, which have you ever been and bought razor I blades? Don't, I'm no, not using your razor blades. Have a look at this one. I the work ask, experience kid. I'm not asking you questions, either of you. So don't talk. This is slander. Razor blades. Defamation. Cost for a pack of five, they cost forty-two dollars. I've got an old school razor Why, that has a single blade I on it. That's what I use. To Fitzroy. Each week I buy a new set of razors. I'm thinking, one blade lasts me a month. Yeah. Why? Have I got no blades left? Well, we're using your toothbrush to clean the toilet yeah, as well. Yeah. So <laughs> have a think about that next time you brush your teeth. Anyway, uh, what have we got? Is that it? Um, we want to talk a little bit about some behind the scenes stuff. Mm. You were talking on the way here, actually, this came up. We're talking about nicknames and how you like to pick nicknames for players and certain players. Mm. And they've sort of got to be a certain type, but also how that um, is relatable to you evolving as a commentator. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what you mean about all this, but I, I, I assume I assume that uh, you're talking about things that commentators say. Um, For example, I'll give you I'll give you an episode. Give me an example. A few years ago, you started saying "boy, oh boy, wowie." Lots of people loved it. Lots mm. of people didn't like it as well. Mm. But that was a big thing about BT, the character and the commentator. You can't do the "oh boy, wowie" for your entire career. You have to continue to evolve. No, you've got to evolve. Some, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about it. <laughs> You've got to evolve. You can't keep saying the same thing. There's no doubt about that. Even some someone like, um, say, Stringer in the package, um, you know, number one, how do you come up with that? That was a, a Channel 7 collective brains in the truck 
while we're actually on air that came up during with that. the game. Yeah, during the game, we I, I said this guy needs a nickname uh, down into the truck speaking because he was air, so electric speaking off air, and um, because he was so electric and he was just this guy that was just awesome. And so over about a period of a quarter, all those in the trucks were throwing names, and then bang. I don't know who it was. Someone said, you know, the package and bang, you go with it. Just suited him absolutely perfectly. So there's all there's something there for everyone. But I think you can only use those things. Like I look at McAvaney and special comes to mind, you know, he's special or Buddy's special. And you, you, you would never hear Bruce say that now. He's moved on to the next thing. And I think as commentators, um, you've got to evolve. And while you may come up with something that's good for a short period of time, you need to, you need to uh, evolve and, and get on to the next thing. Otherwise, I think you become caught in time and you become uh, much more expendable if you're, if you're caught in time and haven't moved with the game and with the people in the game is, is a really important. It's a hard thing to do to evolve. It's something, in fact, I'm looking toward, forward to speaking to Richo about it because he is a guy that survived a, a long time in the game. I think he played for 17 or 18 years. And he's now a long time in the media because he has evolved as a person. In a role of special comments where there's the new retiree yeah. coming in every yeah. year that, that, that wants that job. And I think with the commentator, you've got to love the current game. You can't be caught in a time walk loving the era you played in. I have no doubt now and I genuinely believe that the game today is the best we've ever seen it. It's the most skillful. They're the fittest, strongest players you've ever seen in your life. Um, and they are more equipped than we ever were. And so the game is, is, is at its peak now, and I think it'll continue to peak. So you've got to, you've got to evolve and, and go with the modern trends of the game, even if you don't like them. If, if I got on air every Friday night and continued to say, I didn't like that and I didn't like that and I didn't like that, then I'd be caught in the time walk and I'd be no good to anyone. Which you did at the start of this show. Anyway. What? <laughs> You're complaining. I was just being uh, – football's a subjective thing, mate. I'm allowed to have thoughts. It's a very objective according to the life of Bran. The nicknames, they've got an expiry date and you can't use them over and over again. Yeah. Is th what about Not that? just nicknames, sayings. Sayings, yeah. What do We need some more nicknames. I, th I think you need a new one. No, no. You see, this is the trouble with you and me. Your era would think that this is a thing that we force. My my way of doing things is this happens naturally. It I'm evolves. looking to engage Did you our hear audience. me say the word involve, evolves? Evolve, yep. Like you're forcing. I like things to evolve. I'm going to get our audience to get involved and potentially suggest a few nicknames. No, I, well, yes, that's okay for them, but it's got to, it's got to evolve and it's got to be natural. Yep. It can't be a forced thing. Yep. If you try and force and do things, uh, you know, during everything that I've ever said in commentary – has evolved during the game. I'm not a person that takes things that are written down. There have been many many commentators before me that do it, and they've done it really, really well, written down and, and try and squeeze them into the game. That's one way of being a commentator. You can do that, but I don't necessarily think it's the best way. Yes, well, Richo has arrived. We've been talking about him all day, Harrison. Have a look at the big fella. How tall are you, Richo? You're a tall man. 6'5", B2. Oh, that's tall. What do you want? Do you want the new 196 in today's language? I was claiming that you were a 6'8 last week on the podcast. <laughs> I've given you a few inches. And that, that is small now for a footballer. You see these guys now, they're 6'7", six 6'8", six key position. There's no one. Even the mids are all 6'2", six, six plus now, yeah. aren't they? Paddy Cripps would be 6'4". Four. Four. Yeah, six four. Yeah, Nat Fife's like six three. So even Joe Watson when he played was yeah. six three, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, like there's not many small guys now really through the midfield. Were you a late bloomer or are you a man child? 
No, I reckon I reckon late. Yeah, probably about sort of year tenish. I shot up. So at you there. didn't manchild them at junior footy? Nah, nah, no. I was I was scared in grade seven. I was petrified. Were you actually. small? Well, I wasn't small, but I was skinny and immature. And we had, you know, the guys that the man boys, you know, that had yeah. hair on their legs and had tattoos. A, and- had a mowie like you already. <laughs> so I was, I was, yeah, I was a late bloomer. I was I, pet. I, I wasn't a man child. I, w- yeah. I was a late bloomer. Yeah. I never got going until I was about 16 or 17. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really, I probably didn't really start kicking on until grade 10, I reckon, Harrison. Yeah. What are you waving at me for? What, what do you no, want? No, no, I was just, oh, I thought you were going to say that you were a bully, but you're not, you weren't. No, you I, weren't. no man boy. So yeah. Man boy. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. a little bit of a bully. Um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't a man boy. I wasn't the biggest. Yeah. Um, were you successful at junior footy like, oh, yeah, you know, like I, I was? You were. Yeah. Well, I've heard of – what about this? He's, 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 asking he's just me, asking you to ask him a question about how good he was. Me, <laughs> knowing full well that I'm going to bring up. Well, the, I kicked 25 goals in two consecutive weeks. So I had 50 goals after two rounds I, I, in under-17s. What did you do? I've never did anything like that. So were you 13, a standout? I reckon 13 was my best in high school. So I never kicked that big – you know, bag like your toy. I, I don't believe that though. Who, play, who was true. playing on you? Probably one of the best players in the competition. <laughs> I don't know. Was, that was from a centre forward. There like. would have been a newspaper article or something. I think there was. I think I've got it in my scrapbook somewhere. I'd love to see that <laughs> just to have proof because you go true. on about it a fair bit. It's true. But so you, you weren't a trophy collector along the way as a junior? You were no, just no, going got, along inconspicuously? No, nah, like Mini League won the best and fairest and that right. sort of thing. But our mini league in Tassie on the northwest coast from Devonport, there was no tackling. So we didn't experience tackling till grade seven. So there were a lot of kids that didn't play in mini league that just went straight into footy in grade seven. So they just bore straight in with the tackling, whereas all the guys that had played mini league, as it was called, we were a bit hesitant because what we didn't like this tackling sort of thing. So probably took me a couple of years to get going in high school, but by grade sort of nine, ten, I I reckon I was starting to go all right. Yeah. Were you happy to get out of Tassie, you reckon? Uh, yeah, it was at the time. Because <laughs> it was pretty – Look, I It wasn't always, backward, but it was pretty – Well, it, not much happening there. It was a small town on yeah. the northwest coast, yeah. you know. It's a good part of the world. I love going back there. But if you wanted to, I guess, achieve something in sport, you sort of had to get to the mainland, as we call it, in Tasmania. Because Dad had played at Richmond um, – and uh, we had all our all our relatives from in Victoria because Dad's from Casterton, actually, up in the Western District. Mum's from Geelong area, down around Winchelsea, around there. So did you feel there were eyes watching you all of the time? Yeah, well, Dad's, Dad was history. Dad was good mates with a guy called Neville Crow, who you would have yep. heard of, a yep, Richmond Crowey, great guy, great guy Crowey. Yep. Crowey was president of Richmond at the time, and Dad and him kept in touch. So I knew they were keeping an eye on me, right. which sort of motivated me because yeah. a lot of kids wouldn't realise. You don't know. I you never, don't know. I because I didn't come from a footy background really. I came out of motorbikes and basketball and other sport and I was playing under 16s or 17s and someone said to me, oh, that's a guy from such – I yeah. said, I had yeah. no idea yeah. that someone from a footy club would be there watching. I never knew they yeah. did that. The first time I noticed recruiters, you know, in, was at the under-16 schoolboys up in Brisbane in 1990 that would have been. Right. And that was the first time I'd been in a state team and you get to the carnival and, you know, all the other states are there and – you just looked around while you were playing and you could see all these guys sort of hovering around together. Yeah. A few of them might have had clipboards and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, news would filter out to the, you know, the huddles at quarter time. Oh, that guy there's from Richmond or that guy's from Brisbane. So that was the first time I realised. Can you remember anyone that played in that competition that went on? Yes, to I can. I, the, the, I remember one guy distinctly from that carnival and it was David Neitz. He was the full forward really? for Victoria. 
You know how Nate has had that sort of sort of swagger yeah. about him. Yeah. And uh, I was remember he a man child. He, uh, I reckon he was. I reckon yeah. he would have been. Yeah. yeah, David. I reckon he was six foot five and pretty big at that carnival. You know, I might have been six three and skinny as a, a rake. But I remember the Vicks and yeah, have the opening ceremony and all that sort of thing. And the Tassie boys, we didn't have the best gear. <laughs> in fact, it was a real shithouse gear. And, you know, the Vicks rolled in with all the grouse oh, track yeah, suit and everything. Absolutely. And we're looking at them going, <laughs> we've got no hope here. But David Neitz was the bull forward and the glamour boy of the under-16s. And he had a, a sidekick, a guy by the name of Sean Charles. And he was, he played at Melbourne as well, uh, Shawnee Charles. And, yeah, they were like the full Ford and the Ford pocket, and they just lit it up, yeah. Did you go through a period where you thought you were absolutely shit hot? Well, you know, like you, you've kicked 800 is. goals, 280 games, three-time All-Australian, you know, a pretty good career. But, you know. Well, I, when I was playing when AFL. Playing, what? You go, no, I'm, in the under-17s. <laughs> no, no. no <laughs> when you're in the middle of your AFL career, did you go, oh, jeez, I'm, I'm going no, right there was, here. There was one good night in particular. Oh, was there? I do remember it. I had uh, I'd kicked seven the week before at the SCG, so I right. came into this game feeling confident in, in form. Right, I'd never got a kick at the SCG, mind you, either. So to kick seven up there, I thought I'm I'm in touch here. Well, you I'm got within here. five of my record, so well done. Oh well, well yep. you kicked twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so the next week we played the Dogs at the MCG, and I think I don't know what round it was. Round eight, I think it was, and. We are playing the Bulldogs. Ben Harrison, my best mate, was playing for the Western Bulldogs at the time. Yep. And we had four of our best mates from Tassie coming over for the weekend. The game was Saturday afternoon. It's good when you get the mates in town. Yeah, it? yeah. So I wanted to play well because I knew the boys were in town. I wanted to have a win because we wanted to be able to go out after the game with the lads from Tassie. So, you know, that day out on the MCG, I was, I was going all right. I kicked 10 goals. And I just couldn't wait to get down to the Swan Hotel here in Richmond. We're in Richmond as we speak because I knew the boys would be waiting. And, yeah, I got down to the Swan Hotel that night. I've kicked 10. I've got all my mates from Tassie here. They're thinking I'm going pretty good. I'm getting them free drinks. I've got drink cards. <laughs> Harrow comes down. We'd won the game. He was part of the losing team. So we're all hanging shit on him, you know. So it was a good night. And I thought I was pretty good that night. Because yeah. I remember a time it was always great having mates come into town. Because yeah. you're from Tassie. I'm from Western Australia. I remember a mate of mine, Kenny Gillum, coming over um, and a couple of other mates coming out, rocking in from Western Australia. And they rock in on the, on the worst days. You know, it was yeah. a Friday. They yeah. rocked in on a Friday. The game's on a Saturday. Well, that's they had to work, you know, yeah. so they'd come in Friday. Yeah, so they'd come in Friday and they'd say, oh, Brian, we've heard about the Richmond Disco. We've heard it's pretty good down there. And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm playing footy tomorrow. And they'd say, but... <laughs> was the, it hard to get into the Richmond Yeah, social? and that was the problem. They'd yeah. say, the queue's th 300 metres long. Yeah. And I'd say, look, so I'll could take all the Richmond players get... Did, do you get automatic entry or was it a yeah. separately run? No, no, we'd get automatic right. entry. Though. You were head of the social committee as well, weren't you? Yeah. No, but, but it wasn't run by us. It was run by <laughs> another company. But the, I'd say I'd say to my mates, look, I'll take you down, I'll get you yeah. in, and then I'll leave because yeah. I've got to play tomorrow. Yeah. I've got to be responsible. I really shouldn't even be seen there, never mind getting you in. So I'd go down there and get them in and, you know, and, you know, look at my watch and it's midnight and then it's 1 o'clock and it's 2 o'clock. And, and you're playing the next day. I'm playing the next day. And then it, on this particular night, it's 4 a.m. And I'm thinking, shit, you know. i got to get home. Uh, you know, the boys are doing their thing and um, i got to get home. I'm pretty drunk at this stage. 
And Who'd you play the next we were day? We are playing St Kilda at Moorabbin the next day, which wasn't my favourite ground, yeah. you know, be muddy and wet and forward and be horrible. Anyway, I played quite well and, and did all right. But about two weeks later, Richmond some, somehow, would you believe, they found yeah. out about me going to the Richmond Disco. Right. <laughs> find that hard to believe. <laughs> on, the, on the premises of the some, footy club. Some serious and investigations. I, got, I think I got a two or a $4,000 fine and a two-week suspension. You got suspended. I got suspended for two weeks for, for going to the Richmond Disco. On so that so back then, like, could you have a beer during the week or was it Strictly after the games? Um, no, it's not as strict, obviously, as now, but you'd certainly have a drink on the Sunday. Yeah. And yeah, I reckon you could have a beer during the week. And it wasn't frowned and it upon. It wasn't frowned yeah. upon, as long as you weren't out late nights yeah. and nightclubs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Even but doesn't that say a lot about the professionalism now? Oh, like, yeah. if you were, you wouldn't ever want to do that because as a player, you want to get no. the absolute maximum I, out of yourself. But well, the time I got here in 1993, it was. An unwritten rule. You could go, you'd go out after the game if you mm. played Saturday. You, yep. you could go out Saturday night. You could probably then have a few Sunday arvo because in Melbourne in the mid nineties, Sunday yep. arvos were really big. What was the spot? Probably the depot. I think it was called Benson's before yeah, that. Benson's before that. The Nicabellas G Bank. Nicabellas on a Sunday yeah. was a sun, late uh, late place on a Sunday afternoon about six o'clock. Only open for about two hours. Went from yeah. about six late or nine or something. Yeah. And, uh, and that I remember, was owned by Graham Richmond. Well, who, I remember Graham. This is a true story, Rich. So this, by the way, this podcast is not about me. It's about you. But I'll tell another <laughs> doesn't story. Doesn't sound like that. So <laughs> you know how I said, you know, you must have thought you're going all right yeah, in, yeah, in your yeah. career, and I was. I thought I was going well at this particular stage this of my career. In your early days at Richmond. Early days at Richmond. Yeah. Graham Richmond, the great power broker, vice president of the club. You know, the most feared man in football yeah. administration was still at the Richmond Football Club. He owned the pub, Nickabella's, the nightclub on a Sunday. And I went it was down in there Caulfield, yeah. in Caulfield at yeah. the end of Glenfree Road yeah. where it meets Danny Long Road there. And I'm I'm thinking I'm going all right, you know, I'm I'm having a good time and I'm there and I'm Kicked doing all sorts of things before. and you know, the whole thing's really working for me at the moment. I'm chatting up this girl <laughs> and chatting up that girl, the whole thing. And um unbeknownst to me, Graham Richmond, the owner of the pub, had told the bouncer on this particular night, when Brian Taylor walks out of this disco tonight, I want you to give him one right in the head. He, you know, because he's just getting ahead of himself. Really? He just needs to be pulled back into line. And, I, and I've had the night of my life and I've walked out and, and Mick Hamill, who was the bouncer, yeah. he's just gone bang. A little clip. And given me a clip on the way out. I'm thinking, what the hell is all this about? And then about two weeks later, I found out it was Graham Richmond just getting me to pull my, pull my head in and a little did bit. You? And probably, probably <laughs> pulled in a little bit. But yeah, it was. Uh... Hey, did you it's have different. aspirations for captaincy? Was was that, that something uh, you wanted to do at some stage? Yeah, look, I did. There's no doubt I, I would have liked to have been. It just it never Why? Really, why didn't it uh, happen? Probably because of my own sort of issues I had on the ground, Brian, with my body language and that oh, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's right, I yeah. used to spit the dummy a little bit. You did. Um, but I did want to be captain. I, I, I guess there was one opportunity probably – in my late 20s, we were changing captain and it was at the time Kane Johnson got the captaincy. About yep. that time, I thought I was ready to do it, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Because I remember he was, a, he was a bit of a surprise as captain to yeah, many. Yeah, he, he was probably a little bit to the outside world, but not people at the club because, right. you know, he was a great, you know, leader by example, yep. the way he trained. He'd come from the Crows where they'd had a successful sort of period. Yep. He, he was one of the hardest trainers you'd see, so... Yeah, that was the time, you know, I thought I was ready. It didn't didn't happen. Yeah, it's probably a disappointment that I didn't. I wish I wish I could have. Your yeah. body language was a little bit of an issue, wasn't it? Because it was. You, you were raising Well, arms you were and, similar. Yeah. And well, I was similar, yeah. Did you, after a game, did you feel embarrassed about it when you looked back at it? Or not? Uh, or not really. I never didn't? even thought. You know, that vision they show of me with the umpire, yeah. 
I, I reckon at the end of that game, I, I'd forgotten about you it. Didn't even know. Didn't even register with yeah. me as being um, so something sort I shouldn't of, have done. So you were sort of possessed type of thing. Is it? Yeah, I just yeah. changed when I got on the on the ground, like you did. You you know your emotions. Uh, yeah. Not get the better of you. I felt that that sort of thing fired me up a little bit. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I I did too, but I reckon it boiled over too yeah. much the wrong way. It boiled over when yeah. Terry Wallace arrived. Well, what, what happened? Well. <laughs> He arrived and I was 29 years of age. So you needed the bloody... I needed to change. You, were, you went till 36 or something. But but I, it was actually good of Terry. As soon as he arrived, he sort of whacked me between the eyes. He said, we can't have this anymore. You know, we're trying to change the culture here. And Fair enough. I agreed. And I said, yeah, what do you want? You know, what can I do about it? I've tried everything. I'd done leadership courses. I'd gone out and, you know, hired, a, a, you know, like a... A psychologist. psychologist. Ooh, I sat down with this guy for six months every Monday. To, he was going <laughs> to. It was like he was trying to put me back together. It sort of took me apart right. and put. Anyway, that didn't probably work either. And I said, I'll try anything, Plow. So when he suggested it, I was open to the suggestion. I said, What do you What do you want me to do? He said, Well, look, I've sourced you a body language coach. I said, A body language coach? I didn't even know they existed. Like Harrison, mean, have yeah. you heard of one? Never. So male or female? Uh, he had, didn't really say at that point. And I said, well, yeah, let's, I'm happy to give it a go. Let's get started. So we're at Punt Road. And I said, where is he? And he said, he's here now. And I said, where? And he said, he's sitting outside. So I was in the old Jack Dyer stand at Punt Road. I walked down the race and I'm looking around. I couldn't see anyone. And Terry had said he was out there. And then I turned around and looked up in the Jack Dyer stand and Brian was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you joking? No. <laughs> And I said, oh, I've never heard this no, before. And I said, I sort of looked at, I said, BT, what, what are you doing? What are you here? doing here? What and nerve? And BT goes, I'm your body language coach. <laughs> that is ridiculous. It's uh, uh, fair to say it didn't work, BT. No, did it? it didn't work that well. We I haven't. actually did get a hold of it after that though, and you know, I probably harnessed it in a more positive way, and I played my best footy. So a normal probably. assistant coach would sit there with a the vision at the end of the day and say, <laughs> you shouldn't have led here, and you should have marked that, and you should have kicked this. My job was to say. Shouldn't have put that hand up, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done this. Why would Plough employ Bloody him? Oh, I think I think Plough's sort of method in his madness was that you'd been through a similar thing and mm. could probably relate to what I was going through. Ah, uh, yes, half time in this episode of The Life of Brian. Now, I'd like to give this message. I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hard-working tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. Are you aware that you're obviously aware that you wore number twelve, obviously, but are you aware you that also coinciding with that famous number twelve at the Tigers that you're twelfth on the all-time goal kicking list? You were, in the AFL. Yeah, I you am are aware, aware of, of that. that. Yeah, you look at those sort of records. Uh, well, what did you get to the end of the career and then look up the media guide and say, "Geez, I'm leading no, the well, what, you know, what happened? I look. I'll be honest. I did look at the stats when I played. I, I heard I, you looked I, at big footy even when you I were did. playing. I did. I was. That's dark. Yeah, I was. Okay. 
it was before social media, but back in those days, there was a forum. I think it still exists, big footy yep, forum. it does. I'd log on there after a game, good, bad Jeez, or otherwise. That's a dangerous thing yeah. to do. And, but I did it when I played well. I did it when I played poorly. Poor, so yeah. I was happy to look at it when I played well. So yeah. I thought my reasoning was, well, I've got to cop it if I've played poorly. And, you know, you'd read some pretty nasty stuff on there, as we know now with social media. But, um, yeah, look, I got to the end of my career and I guess – you know, everywhere I went, you know, you do a lot of sporties, I guess, when yep. you finish, did, went to a lot of functions and every person probably to a man would sort of question my goal. King, oh, Richie, you went, you had a decent career, but, you know, you're pretty ordinary shot at goal was the common theme that came through. So I did look up the goal kicking numbers, BT, when I finished and oh. I did know that I was 12. Yeah. You did? Oh, there yeah. you go. I thought so I might have got you go. something you didn't know. Have you ever worked? I mean, you've yeah, been I a professional footballer, but have you ever had a job? Yes, I did. So... I came over at the end of 1992 from Tassie and pretty much everyone at Richmond worked full-time then. There might have been a couple of guys that right. were probably earning a little bit more that were, were part-time, but I reckon most guys had a job. What did you do? So my first job was with uh, MLC Insurance, which was like just an office clerical job <laughs> in the city. Selling insurance? Well, no, nah, so I, I wasn't in sales. I was basically a mail boy, mailroom boy. Um office lackey, you would call it. So that was in... A uh, work experience. Yeah. We've got the work experience kid in pretty the corner much, as well, Jesse. Pretty much, Jess. Pretty <laughs> much doing what you're doing. So yeah, I'd, I'd go to work eight till four every day in the city, corner yeah. of William and Collins Street. I reckon the building, was, I think it still is the MLC building. And I lived out in Vermont South at the right. time. So it was a good hour drive that time of morning on the southeastern. Yeah. So you're getting up at six... You're in there, you work from eight till four, you jump straight in your car down to Punt Road. You didn't train till five o'clock. By the time you finished training, you wouldn't get home to mm. Vermont till nine, nine no, thirty at right. night. Like it was pretty hectic. So yeah, I guess during that period, you sort of learnt to go, well, geez, I want to make footy work because I'm Do you not think doing it's this amazing for the rest that, of my life. Because you know, I, I regard footy, I don't regard it as work. Right. Even what I do now, I don't really regard yeah. it as work. I, yeah. I sort of think, oh, I'm just still involved in the sport somehow. And it's just great think, fun being there. Do you think and, players should do some work now? Yeah, I think they should. I think they should have jobs. I just I think there's too much sitting around. Yeah. And I think the sitting around part's not so bad because they probably enjoy it as they go along. But I think when they get to the end of their career, it's such a sudden exit. Yeah. You are done. The moment, you know, as much as clubs say they're going to look after you, yeah. they don't because they've got to look after the yeah. next bunch of players. They can't spend time on all of their and, past players. And even if you've set yourself up financially, you can't, just sit around and do nothing. That's yeah. not good for you yeah. mentally either. So, so have you? Uh, you, I, I seem to remember you owned. You went through a process where you were in combination with other partners owning pubs yeah. and and nightclubs and that well, sort yeah, of thing. Are you still of, into that or not? No, we were lucky. We got out before COVID, but we had the Waterside Hotel. Right. In the so city. that went from when I knew it yeah. as the only early it openers was. for the, all those down at a, the docks. That's right. It had rough as guts. Yeah. So when I didn't. I wasn't initially involved, but it was a few of my teammates, the Gale brothers, That's Wayne right. Campbell, Nick yep. Daffy, Sean Wellman from yep. Essendon, Nick Rewalt was involved, yep. Nathan Brown, a couple of business people as well, a couple of accountants. And See, that's some, a lot of people. The involved. deck was yeah. up the top. The yeah, it was a big, big that, pub. That came though. later though. Yeah. yeah. They, but when they took it over, it basically still had the, like, basic, the chicken wire, you know, yeah. because it was a rough pub. Oh, it was a rough pub. Yeah. So Real they, rough, wharfy pub. So they had to go through the process when they took it over to sort of get rid of the riffraff that was drinking in there every day because they wanted to turn it into a, a good pub, right? That's where everyone went, Harrison. Yeah. 
from a nightclub, if you were just desperate for a Somewhere drink at five in the morning, yeah. you'd go to the early open. I think it would still have a 24-hour licence. I think it's been yeah. renovated again at the moment. So we had that. It was fun. Uh, and then we had the Brighton uh, Hotel down in Bay Street, but uh, got out of them okay. before COVID, which was a blessing, I think. Yeah. yeah. That was good, though. You sort of you learn a little bit about the business and what I think, if you're going to be involved in hospitality, you've got to be present, you've got to be there. Yeah. And we probably. So you've never really owned a business by yourself? No. 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 It's always been in partnership. Are you, are you guys, in terms of obviously your jobs are very different, you've got to pay your own super, you work, you know, six months a year for three days a year, although it's very high paced and very high yeah. stress. What are you guys thinking about your future in terms of are you opening up a business when you retire and leave the media or no, I haven't what, what's the go? Yeah, I haven't really thought that far ahead. And I'm starting to think now because I'm 60 now. So I yeah. start to think, you know, 65, 70, what am I going to do? Yeah. Starting to think a little bit like that But you've now. got the farm and stuff, haven't you? We've we sold the cattle. farm. No, you uh, haven't got no, that No, we now. sold that. But got a, still got a few cattle and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely do think about it. But yeah, I guess I was just been pretty lucky. Like when I finished footy, it happened really quickly. I didn't know you know, what I was going to do, really. I hadn't never studied. And this is not a good lesson for footballers now. I hadn't studied, yeah. hadn't really You're an done, insurance broker, though, oh, Yeah, well, not. Uh, I can do mail. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was just lucky that the sort of media came my so you, way. So you, you go, did... Yeah, so you go into the media and – but I think I noticed about you is I think you've been really good at evolving with the time. How long have you been in the media now? How long have you been retired? now. See, 14 yeah. years. It's gone quickly. See, every year, like this year, there's another five or six superstars mm. that have retired mm. that want your job. Mm. The special comments job. The special comments job. Well, it's, I just see, I think, Selwood and, and Cochin yeah. are getting in, around It's such footy, a hard yeah. thing to fight these guys off mm. every year. There's someone that retires that deserves really the chance that Richard and myself have had. How do you, how do you evolve and make sure that you're, you, you're on the edge and you're with everything that's happening these days to, yeah. to still say relevant. It's hard to know exactly what's going on at Clubland, isn't it? I mean, because you're not there, you know, no. from day to day, the coal face. I mean, you, I guess you've just got to, you've got to, I guess, try and stay in touch with some current day players and just sort of chew their ear off occasionally just to try and see if you're on the right track with how you think the game's trending and all that sort of thing. You love the game? Are you yeah, a, I do. Are you, are you a footy enough? I love the games on the weekends. The games. I'm not... You love going to I, the games. I like going to the games, watching the games, yep. calling the games. Would you describe yourself as a footy nuffy? Uh, yeah. If I didn't, if I didn't work in the media, I'd go and watch. Do you the reckon games. I'm a footy nuffy, Harrison? I, I don't think. I don't think he is, is he? No. I, I think you're a professional, and once you get into the box or your preparation, it's the passion for creating a great on-air product, not for yourself, but yeah. for everyone else listening, that puts you in the mode of okay, now I'm yeah. I need to be a footy nuffy because this is my job. I think if right? you're a footy nuffy, you really you hurt when your team loses. Oh, you're yeah, you right. barrack for Collingwood, right? I don't really barrack for anyone. I, I, you honestly, like Collingwood winning, no? But, no? but I like no. I can honestly say, Richo, as someone that's seen over eighty live games a year for the last thirty odd yeah. years, I now just go. I go to the footy hoping that you I see just a see game. a great game, yeah. and that's satisfying enough for me. Yeah. I don't honestly don't care about who wins and loses as yeah. long as it's close. People so, often say to me, "Oh, you're barracking for such and such." I go, "Yeah, I'm barrack I always barrack for the yeah. team that's coming second. The reason being, you want a good game. I want a close game. How, so eighty games a year, you call. How many of those games do you reckon you walk away from thinking, "Oh, that wasn't a good game"? Oh, Is it yeah. half? Is it Jeez. a third? Uh, I think it's probably half. About half. Yeah. Yeah. Half. I now, see that. I think that's the difference. Then, if we're talking about yeah. if you're see if Richmond 
lose. I actually am shitty. You get shitty. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah, I'm not happy. So he couldn't give a stuff. Yeah. No, when I'm was the last happy. time you went to a game as a spectator? Although it's hard given your I schedule. I can't remember. But I can't remember. I had some friends in a box a couple of years ago that I'd hired for my family and some friends, and I got to go after the game. I cannot remember, and I was only talking to Duck last week about this because yeah. he was in a box just up having a yeah. great time and we're, yeah. we're working. I can't remember the last time I went to the footy and watched it as a spectator right. and just had a meat pie and sat there and watched it. Yeah, right. Don't reckon it's ever happened in Do my life. Do you think lifetime. you'd enjoy it if you did? Um, maybe every yeah. now and then. No, I went on Saturday to Richmond and North Melbourne with so a few we, mates. So when you retire from yeah. media, will you go to the footy? Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I'll go to other games too. I yeah. mean, I went, my mate, a good, a good mate who's an Essendon supporter, Essendon Sydney at Marvel a few Saturday nights ago. I went with him, had a couple of beers and just, and you know what, I enjoyed it probably more than going to a Richmond game because yep. I've got anxiety at the Richmond game. <laughs> now I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm not happy with an umpiring decision. Whereas I just went to the um, Sydney game and Essendon game and I just followed players, right. you know, and yeah. I enjoyed it. I yep. didn't have that anxiety if you're supporting yep. a team. Yeah. Actually, um, tell her what I enjoyed. Another sport just going it was when we went to the basketball, basketball the other night. That was awesome. Jeez, I hadn't been to the basketball that was, for, that was for fun. years. Yeah. And it was fantastic. It was it's, fascinating, it's actually. It's given me a new desire to watch the world championships yeah. starting this weekend, of course, um, and see how those guys go. Gee, they were good, weren't yeah. they? They were magical. Yeah. Such good athletes. Yeah, just in how intense it was. Oh, I didn't think it was just the little things. Yeah. I didn't think basketball was that intense. Who was the, the guy, the defender? Matisse Thibault. Yep. He wow. was fascinating to watch, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he, was, he was in the zone. Yeah. I mean, he's a defensive expert. That's what he does in, in his game and in the NBA. And just the way he just sort of knew everything that was happening on the court. I hadn't really watched a player like that in basketball one-on-one -on -one like that. And yeah, I thought he was fascinating to watch the way he defended. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Three daughters. Yep. And I, I, I have to ask the question. Poor Jen. <laughs> are you are you looking for another one for a boy, boy. for a boy? Cause, well, because we we had three boys and yeah. we were looking for a girl yeah. and we got another boy. No, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. The idea behind having a third, like Jesse over there, he was supposed to be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely uh, our little our third little Ella. You know, the plan. How old's the youngest? Ella's fifteen months now. Right. Yeah. So she she was. Going to be a boy, I guess. If you, we went for the third one, definitely not going again. Oh, you're not? No. You had no. to snip? No, but I will be 100%. Uh -huh. <laughs> so Zoe, Riley. Zoe, Riley, and Ellis. So Zoe turned six in September. Uh, Riley just turned three. And yeah. And they're 15. pretty cheeky. Yeah, they don't listen to me already. No. It's just, no, it's, they'll be classy like their mum, Harrison. It's, Absolutely. It's fascinating to see, though. Like I came down the other morning and Zoe's, you know, nearly six. And she's sitting there watching the iPad. They're addicted to the iPads, yeah. you know. And don't let parents always say, oh, "We're not going to give them iPads." No technology, right? And we did that for Zoe, the first one. We're not giving her an iPad, but by the time the second one comes along, you need the iPad right? <laughs> just to get a bit of peace and quiet. You need the iPad. But I came downstairs, and Zoe's just transfixed on her iPad, right? Just looking at it. And I said, "Oh, good morning, darling. What are you watching there on your iPad?" And she didn't even look at me. She put a hand up like that, the stop sort of sign. And she said, don't interrupt me, Dad. <laughs> and I went, all right. What was well, she watching? Don't you interrupt me later when you want something. <laughs> I thought already she's not listening to uh, me. But anyway, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting journey. That is amazing. Travel, you've travelled a bit. You love New, you love the states, particularly yeah. New York, don't you? Yeah, I love I love travelling anywhere. To be honest, oh. um, have you done Europe? 
done haven't done Europe for a while, and it's been driving me mad this uh, winter everyone's watching there. everyone there because yeah. everyone's, everyone's there this summer, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are. So yeah, I haven't done a lot of Europe. I've done some. So I need the problem. Favorite place in the world? Oh, that's a good question, BT. That you visited? Well, as a big city, I'd narrow it down to two: New York and Madrid. Right. I loved Madrid. A lot of people right. love Spain yeah. and say Barcelona. I'd enjoyed Madrid more. I just right. thought at night there was a bit more yeah. happening. Just walking around. South know. America, you've done that? Yeah, done Chile, done Argentina, a bit of Brazil. Went to Bolivia. Um, went to Peru, which that, that yep. the Machu Picchu, that's something that I recommend everyone. Do. Yeah, it's great. Cusco is yeah. the entry city to the, get there. The thing that you've been there, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you get up there, right, and you just see the significance of the, the ruins up there. It's amazing. You go, how did they it's build this? No, it's absolutely because They reckon as, as Machu Picchu, as it is now, they reckon undiscovered in the forests of South yeah. America – are another 20 of right. 20 Machu Picchus that yeah, they haven't right. found because just they just don't over. have the money yeah. to go looking. But I've got up there and, you know, you get up there and it's a fair effort yeah. getting up there and it you is. go, how they built that is just incredible. Yeah. yeah, that that was one of the best things I've ever done, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. Did you want to butt in there, Harrison? Were you going to ask? No, Richard? no. I was just, I was just wondering more about a few of those back to the footy stuff. Are you yeah. still mates with a lot of your teammates? Yeah, yeah. We've got a good. I think the good thing now about social media, WhatsApp, and these sort of things is you can get the yeah. group chats going. And yeah. you know, everyone's busy and got their own lives. But you know, I've got a good couple of good group chats going with Kane Pettifer. I see him a lot. Players. Yeah, Kane Kane Pettifer's a really good. Mate, obviously Tim Fleming, who who played at Richmond. So for really a close of years. ones that you'd see regularly. Yeah, How many? The, this is a, probably half a dozen yep. that you'd that's say. A lot, I and that I, that would be my advice to any footballer. Probably you've got a half dozen at the moment. Yeah. Probably when you're 20 years out of the game, it'll probably be a few less yeah. as well because you all move in different yeah, directions. Yeah, you all do something off. different. I reckon each footballer would probably end up with because it's such a small party of life. Yeah. When you get into the bulky life, it's only yeah. normal players. I know you played an extraordinary length of time, but most players play about 10 years. Yeah. And the rest of your life, you go on and find other things, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. Although you cannot see a teammate for two or three or four yeah, years. And true. then you bump into them. Like on yep. the on the weekend, I bumped into a few guys at the, the Richmond game because they invited a lot of past players. And you go, gee, I haven't seen you for four years, but it felt like yesterday. you know. So you can reconnect pretty quickly. But really good mates, probably five or six. I think the thing that helped us at, with the Richmond past players was winning – those premierships because it sort of reconnected a few of us because mm. we were following it pretty closely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that yeah. was fun. That was a fun time. Do you remember, speaking of fun, the, the shit jokes we did for the, the, yeah. the bodyguard or something? Do you remember the shit yeah. joke thing? That was good. And I had to – it was my objective to tell really bad jokes <laughs> and get you to laugh and you weren't allowed to laugh. And it was vice versa. Who won that day, by the way? I can't remember, but I – I think we both tried our hardest that not was, to laugh. We'll try and get that clip that's up. Yeah, that's funny. one of the funniest Can we do I've that? Can you seen? get that clip yeah, up and show people? How, Scotty's I think you Scotty got might me, be able to help us with that. I think you got me just in the end. <laughs> that's yeah, a hard thing to do. It's one of the funniest things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's very funny. The, the other funny thing I thought that we did in conjunction was with Spud yeah. and the Toyota Tours. Now, yeah. I'm not sure how many – the Toyota Tours are famous. For, what it is is a, it's a busload of um, – uh, footballers traveling around the country, doing clinics, yeah. going to hospitals, uh, you know, representing going Toyota, to schools, going to, going to a lot schools. Of schools. We, we did everything. We we worked really hard during yeah. the day, didn't we? Yeah. Really, really hard. And Spud was sort of our coach, I guess. Yeah. He was the coach of the tour. I was yeah. the manager. Yeah. He was the coach. 
And um, but you got you guys were on a bus with all yeah, these great so we, players and yeah. and ex um, so coaches Ho- and stuff. Hodgie, we do name a few. Which who'd oh, you go with? Gee, there's, there's been a lot over these. Chris Newman did it. Uh, Luke Hodge did it. Nathan Brown did it. I reckon Jonathan Brown did it. Did it? Yep. Brendan Favola. Yeah. Paddy did Dangerfield. It one year. Paddy Dangerfield. Paddy Dangerfield did it one year. Um, Cameron Ling, did and we'd it one go year. for a week. Yeah, so you'd get you'd get on the bus Monday morning down in Port Melbourne, yep. Toyota's yep, uh, Toyota headquarters, headquarters down there, who sponsored the whole the whole tour. Um, you know, you'd get on the bus and you'd head down to Gippsland, and we'd stop at all the towns there along the way. Stop at all the franchises, yeah, the, the Toyota, Toyota franchises. franchises. We'd do a footy clinic. Remember the one at Gippsland had hundreds yep. of kids waiting there, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And then you'd go to you'd go to a local school, you'd visit the hospital. Yep. So it was just a great way to connect with all those little communities. And, and honestly, we would pull into a town, Harris, and we'd pull into some town on the way to the main town. Yeah. And we'd pull into the, because they only, you only go to the bakeries to eat yeah. in country towns. We'd pull up to the bakery, wouldn't we, to, yeah. to get a coffee or something or a, a donut or something. And within minutes, there would be people from everywhere. I remember the famous one. It wasn't that famous, I guess. Famous in my mind. When we were travelling from... Um, uh, where did Billy have that pub up in the bloody... Was it Witchy Proof or Wedderburn uh, or something? Uh, Swan Hill. Yeah. Swan Hill to Hamilton. And we went through Witchy Proof. And we, were you on that one? I think I was on I it. I think yeah. you were there. We went to Witchy Proof and it was about 7 o'clock at night. It was dark. I think it might have been raining. And we just wanted to have a leak. Yeah. And we wanted to get something to eat. And, and so we all just... The Witchy Proof pub was open. We stopped out the front of the pub. Said, they'll have a toilet. We'll yeah. all be able to stop yeah. And we all go in there, and all the, there's two old guys sitting at the bar. Old it's farmers, as dead as a doornail. Two guys in the whole place, and they're sitting there, and you can imagine with their with their fag hanging out of their mouth over the drip tray. You know, their their pots in front of them, and they they're not even talk, they're sick of talking to each other. They've been talking to each other for fifty years, right, <laughs> in the same spot. And all of a sudden, I remember watching one of the old guys. He just looked to his left. And there was Jonathan Brown, yeah. <laughs> Matthew Richardson. He didn't know what and was he, going And on. he looked back at his beer and he went back again and he could not believe that six or seven superstars, current superstars of the game, were sitting at the bar with him. He honestly thought and he was then, dreaming. We had a great night and there And remember with yeah. within about 10 minutes the whole town had turned up. Well, they, they, ring, they ring all the other farmers yeah. and they all come in yeah. off the farm and, yeah. and have a couple of pots. They, they were really fun times. But Spud was the life of it, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah. he he brought us all together and Yeah, he yeah. was he was he was great. I remember I remember when we won the the quaddy, we'll tell that story one day when we won the quaddy and won about sixty thousand dollars on the on the quaddy and uh, I remember Spud you know, we were pretty happy with ourselves. We went and collected the $60,000. Rusciuto was the organiser. He was another yeah. one. He was the organiser of it. Um, and anyway, we collected the money. We, we said, right, we're having the best night tonight. So we booked the best restaurant in Bendigo we were in at the time. You know, we ate the best steaks. We had the best wine. And we're just celebrating beautifully. And, you know, because we've got limitless money because we won all this money. It's just fantastic. And, we, and in a private room, we always did this in a private yeah. room so yeah. no one could you know, accuse us of doing the wrong thing or anything like that. We were very discreet about what we did. I remember the last thing before walking out that night, Spud was standing on the table and we had this um, one, one of, uh, one of uh, Jordan's mates, um, schoolmates who used to set up the microphones and stuff for us. He was on the table on all fours and Spud was pretending to shear him like, like a sheep. A sheep. <laughs> that was he, had my... his, he had his clothes on. By <laughs> yeah. yeah, But he was, was just funny. a funny, funny, funny guy. The Brian, what's uh, just trips. while we're here and you're talking about travelling, what what is it with you and and planes and having to be first on a plane? 
It's fascinated me over the years because we travel a well, lot. Well, don't have to Friday be first on the plane. So your information's wrong there. You've been well, travelling with is me that a lot. Right, I, I don't have to be first. I'm, I'm, I would, I would describe myself as needing to be in the top ten. The no, first ten. That's not what I've witnessed. No, the you first stand ten. I'm normally, at the gate before the gates open. I'm normally first on, but I'm happy to be in the top ten. And there's right. a there's a reason. No, there's a method between. So, my, but this my is man. what happens. Like we travel for Friday night footy. We might be heading to Brisbane next week for a final or, or Port Adelaide and. You know, we're lucky enough to get access into the lounge because we travel a lot and you, your status gets up. So you're normally in the lounge having a cup of coffee or whatever before you, you head off on the flight or you might be having a beer. Well, I get there an hour there. before you in the lounge. Yeah, well, so Brian's always there, mind you, as he says. So we'll sit down, we'll be having a chat. You'll look at the boarding. It might be boarding at 11.20. That's all on time as far as we can see. And at about 11 o'clock, Brian will get up and just walk off. So he walks to the gate 20 minutes before you're even boarding. The reason being so he can be the first in line. And I just find that fascinating. No, you could well, be sitting in the lounge. It's a really simple thing. How many arguments have you seen on planes <laughs> when people get on last? This dickhead gets on last. You can't put your bag And anywhere. he can't put his bag above his head. And you know what happens? The, um, the uh, flight attendant will yeah. come up to him and say, uh, Sir, I'll have your bag. And she takes it 25 rows back. And then I know that you've got to wait for the whole plane to go off so you can get your bag when it lands. That ain't happening to me. <laughs> I get on the plane first, so I make sure I get my bag above my head. And if anyone puts their bag in my locker above my head. You move it. And then you know the worst thing is when they recline their seat. He hates reclining too. And I remember coming back from Perth one night and we were sitting in business class. So what are the we rules for reclining though? I reckon well, etiquette. in business class, no one needs to recline. Right. It's bullshit. You do not need to recline when you're in a business well, but class. But a four-hour so. flight to Perth. Nah, you, you, so you're the, and so I put my knees in the back of this guy's back and I'm grinding them in and he's he's putting the chair back. Anyway, he eventually complained. He, he called the, the flight attendant over and the, the flight attendant. Why didn't you just ask him? I said, well, you don't need to put your seat back, mate. You're in business class. And anyway, he he, he, he refused and the host, the uh, shifted him to another, another right? seat. Yeah. But I, I just hate when people put I reckon if, It's very, um, not I, very nice. I reckon if it's longer than one hour, you if should I, be Richo, allowed to. if I don't need to put my seat back, no one does, <laughs> right? It is absolute you, nonsense. As soon as the seatbelt sign goes off, when I'm you're first when to stand up. First, you realise like 90% of people hate you. You realise yeah. that I'm first off the plane as well. But where are you going? And do you realise- You've got to get your bags at the same I, time as anyone else no, anyway. My bag out of locker, bang. Do you realise, I've timed this- by the time I'm going past the BP garage on the Tullamarine Freeway, when I get back, people are still getting people off. are still coming off the plane, You're and a I'm sicko. going past <laughs> the need, garage. You need medical attention. This is, this it's is... it's backfired on him once though well, over in Perth. Remember the night in Perth where you were first on the plane and it backfired. Oh yeah, but it's, you know. So, so we got we, we got you know Brian went down twenty minutes before everyone else. Anyway, we we hear the boarding call. We're in the lounge at Perth. Brian's got, been on the plane, for, you know. We got on, yeah. Brian's been on the plane. We get down to the gate and we're about to get on the plane. There was a malfunction with the boarding machine. So they sent everyone back to sit down and we went back. That to wasn't lounge. already on the plane. Yeah, that wasn't already on the, the plane. The ones that are on stayed so on. So there was Brian and about two other people on the plane. <laughs> they sat on the plane for an hour while we went back to the lounge and had a drink. It backfired that night. Yeah, BT. it did backfire that night. But I, I am very uh, strange when it comes to air, all things uh, airport, that is for sure. So just back on the relationship of you two, it extends yeah. beyond obviously just the Toyota tour and stuff. You guys work together pretty much every Friday and have done for quite a few years. Your rapport and relationship seems to be like one of the best in football commentary. What 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 goes on? What you guys seem to have a little bit of a joke. 
more than anyone else does. I reckon it's just time together. You know, you've worked mm. for a fair while. You know now. each other well. We've done a lot of other, you know, shows and, you know, you do a lot of, during the footy season, there's a lot of footy clubs or netball clubs or, you know, you know, companies that have footy functions and you just do a lot of stuff together. So you just sort of work out what works. So when I'm going to ask people. a question on air, I, I, I'm thinking about who is the best person to ask this question to? So there's... Um, there's Hodgie, there's Richo, there's JB, and there's Abby downstairs in the current team on a Friday night. And what goes to my who should I ask that question to? Who's the one? And so that, Who's the most relevant? Yeah, answer, and so, yeah. you know, when it comes to a little bit of personality and fun and that sort of thing, I'll often go to Richo because I know he's been in the game for a long time. And you can wind him up a bit. He, well, he's he, easy to wind well, I up. Think... I mean, he's got a button you just press and just it's like a little puppet in the <laughs> car that <laughs> the head rocks around and he looks at you like, why are you asking me that sort of shit? But you just, <laughs> but you just work out what works with each yeah, other, don't yeah, you? Yeah. you know, People might think like, because sometimes I listen and I can hear you two almost giggling under your breath, but you might sound like you're having a fight, but I know yeah. you guys are people in great jest. People often say to me, yeah. don't you get why do you hate Richo? Richo? Uh, yeah. people, people have said that. Yeah. Me all the time. They don't understand yeah, the dynamic. No. We're which, clear in the air. Yeah, you, we you are guys clear in the like air. Each other. We're fine. We've never. I don't think we've no. we ever had an argument. I don't ne- think we have. Never had an argument. Not at once. All. And uh, yeah, it's it's people are taking that the wrong way because I hear that a lot yeah. as well. Jeez, oh, you're hard on Richo. Yeah, and that oh, that that is not true at all. So yeah. if anyone thinks that out there, your heart couldn't um, be further from the truth. While we're being a little bit sentimental, and excuse me for I'm putting you on the spot. This is a bit of an experiment. I just want to do a little positive affirmations. Brian, I would like you to say something about Richo that you really like and then vice versa. Oh, bullshit. This is not a some psychology what do you like about meeting. What do you like about most about Richo? Listen, Mr. Captain Serious, Mr. Goody Two Shoes, Mr. <laughs> Sister Bottle Him Up because Richo, he's such a beautiful... Richo, would you like to go first? You know what I'm going to pump, Brian, because it happened on Saturday. I got asked to MC the, the function for Richmond, their their pre-game function. It was a stand-up function because it was only a short pre-match. The game was at one forty. And asked me to do a, a quick little roam around the room, right. like which you've made famous with Roaming Brian. You know, there were a lot of past players there. Benny Gar was there. The, the president was there. Kevin Bartler was there. Francis Burke, a lot of past yep. players. They said, can you just quickly run around the room and just get a memory from these guys, you know, on Trent Cochin and Jack Rewalt. Um, now, when you're trying to look for those guys in between, like on Friday night. You can't night, see them, can you? You can't find them. I'm can't looking find them, I'm looking even f- though you know roughly where yeah. they are. So I'm looking for Kevin Bartlett or Francis Burke or Brendan Gunn. While I'm trying to find them, you, you've got a microphone. You can't. You have to be talking. You mm. can't have that dead air. No, that's and right. I just thought when I finished that, I went, yeah. wow, the way BT can walk around those change rooms and keep it flowing for 12 minutes without any dead air or without it sort of losing momentum. So that's the best thing he's got it's to a say. Great. It's a shitty old segment it's called a, whatever it but is. But he's getting there. He's going to come to, you know. He, yeah, he, I would say, he has great respect for you. I would say the thing about Richo is he is a complete team player, and it's really hard in our environment to be that. Which is surprising when you watch me play footy. <laughs> no, he's a complete team player. Everything's about the team, and so everything's about everyone else being better. Oh, and, you guys uh, are so cute. You know, so yeah. that's well, I'd, pro- I'd, probably well, what I'd say. BT about was at three up, but all but all, all Richo could find on me was old fucking. The old bloody roaming shit. No, no <laughs> great respect and I've got a great deep admiration. I think you are one of the best performers that we've seen in Australian football. We're both right managed now. by the same person, and he's sitting yeah. here with us. Yeah, NC management is, is NC your management. Your, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah I is that it, Harrison? Are we done with Richo? I've got a couple more questions. Yeah, I want to find out. Question for both of you: What has separated you both? One of the best, a couple of the best forwards of the last fifty years, all time in the AFL. What separates the local really great lo- 
footballer or full forward. So or, the VFL forward or the yeah, or the even, old even, Zabs the pl- even the or, one that plays fifty to hundred games. Yeah. Yeah. What separates someone but kicking five hundred goals or more and not? Well, I because they're all, all great. You've all got to have. Everyone's got a bit of talent, right? But. I've seen a lot of talented players come through, but they just haven't got the one. They haven't got the the desire, right? They haven't got the right attitude. They don't work hard enough at their game. They just think it's going to happen. For me, it was pretty simple. I based my whole game on work, you know, working hard, training hard. And if you've got a bit of talent and you do that, you should be all right. Yeah, because there theory. are many players. I remember players playing in the VFL in the reserves that were just sensational at that level and they'd come up and it was people don't realise the big step from, say, amateurs to the VFL and then VFL to the AFL. But from the VFL to the AFL, that's a massive step as yeah. well. Yeah. It's still a very, very big step to take. So number one, I reckon, Harrison, particularly as forwards, particularly as forwards, you've got to have talent. And then, as Richo said, you can work on all of the other aspects that elevate that talent, you know, fitness, strength, skill, all of those other things. But I think you've got to, as a forward, you've definitely got to have talent. We've seen many cases of backmen that have tried to go forward. Yeah. And while they may have been okay there for a week or two, to be but, to sustain it for a period is hard. Would you have been filthy if you didn't kick a goal or you only had, you had a poor game and you lost? Absolutely. Would that eat you for the week? Absolutely. Is yeah. two goals yeah. a bad it's game? It's got to hurt you. Is well, t- uh, two goals in my era was a bad game. It would yeah. have been then, yeah. But now yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah, look, I think I think it's a different game now. Yeah. Yeah. So, but... Uh, for me, you had to hurt too if you didn't play well. Now, it might be different now. They like you to be more level instead of being up and down all the time. But um, yeah, I remember yeah. Lee Matthews used to give us reports after the game. He'd give us a written report. Yeah, we And you'd those. find it in your locker on Monday, and what he said about the game. I remember one week I come in. It wasn't great reading. And he said, um, it's come to the point where if you haven't kicked five, you, you don't get back to equal. You don't get back to zero. <laughs> so he said... Before you even start, you have to have five. and that's Just to break even. Just to break even. <laughs> Anything above five and you're above average. Why was that? Because you were oh, only he, kicking goals. Well, I, was, I was obviously insufficient in other areas right. of my game. And that was at the stage when he was, you know, it was going from that individual sort yeah. of forwards game to a more collective so they wouldn't do that now, would game. they? They sit no. down with you and talk to you. They wouldn't just Absolutely write a note. Absolutely blunt he was. Yeah. He was blunt. Anyway, Richo, it's been uh, fantastic to chat. 800 goals, that's amazing. 282 games? Yep, that's it. That's incredible. Three, um, three-time three All-Australian as well. Uh, amazing career. One of the absolute legends. Uh, team of the century at Richmond. Team of the century in Tassie, I yep. think. Is that right? That's right. She's she, how does he remember this? I wrote it all down good. for him. Did you write it? Are you yeah. reading something? Well, look, Brian? that's upside down, so I can't read that. There's nothing there I can read. Before we go, I do have to have one more question. Oh. Um, so... Here at Jeez, Brian, he's this very podcast. impatient. Hey, yeah, Brian. I know. He just wants to roll. I've got, I've got another. We're holding up, Richard. I've got another no, wrist full of good. questions here that I, we could just talk about yeah. all day, Richard. But Captain Serious. So at Grimley's, we're um, we're sponsored by Grimley's. Yes, uh, they go above and beyond. Oh, That's no their Grimley's. main calling card. Yes, out there in Fairfield. Well, they deliver all the construction industry's needs. Exactly. Where when has someone gone above and beyond in your personal or professional career, or or vice versa? Ooh. I'll tell you what, in my professional career, a guy that went above and beyond and gave up his time for one year to come and work with me, from with, and he's a good mate of yours, is the great Michael Disco oh, Roach. He worked he? full-time. It was Ralph De Silva, I reckon, yeah, back Ralph in those De Silva's days. Yeah, Ralph So he was a busy man, full-time, you know, working, young family with yeah. Tommy and, and Matty Roach. And, and uh, he would come down and take me for goal kicking late at night at 
Punt Road when he had time. And I worked with him for 12 months. Uh, and he was, was the, he's the best kick, best kick, still for, the best kick I've ever seen. Yeah. And he, he had a goal kicking routine that Royce Hart had passed down yep. to him and he, he passed that down to me for 12 months. And that year I had a really accurate year before I did my knee kick 27 goals, three, and it would not have happened if it wasn't for Michael Roach. Yeah. So he went above So he, he was good. We used to compete against each other all the time because I obviously yeah. play with Roach. But Royce Hart was our seconds coach at the time. So I had the benefit of Royce. Yeah. But the one that really got for me, Harrison, was Peter McKenna. Same yeah. thing. Superstar. Guys like that. See, now they don't want you to because yeah. they're scared of upsetting the coaches that are there as paid coaches. Which is strange, isn't Which it? Which is really strange because goal kicking, the particular art of set shot goal kicking, I'm not talking about other types, is something that I think you have to have experienced a fair bit to understand yeah. the intricacies of it. Now, McKenna understood it, and that's how he was able to portray it to me. Yeah. Obviously, Rochi understood it with, with Richo, and I think there are too many people out there teaching the art of set-shot goal-kicking that, don't know. that yeah. actually don't know other than what it says in the textbook. It's actually fascinating what you say about clubs being very insular and not allowing, yes. say... Harry Mackay. Well, they would hate for Michael Roach to yeah, come in. or Now Peter they McKenna. would. Yeah. But a player, Harry, say Harry, just for example, who's had some issues recently, he should be able to go out there if he wants and source out a Matthew Lloyd or Absolutely. You know, a Barry Hall or whoever it is. They're so worried about it. Why? And I thought about this recently. I just watched the quarterback um, series on Netflix, oh, yeah, which that. follows Great. you know Mahomes and Kirk yeah. Cousins around. And Patrick Mahomes, he goes out and employs his own. Yes. Fitness, fitness guy. guy. Yeah. They wouldn't let you do that at an AFL club, I don't reckon. So, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a different world, I think. All right. Very good. Richo, thank, thank you for your time. We've taken Pleasure. far too much of it. Thanks for coming in. No worries. See you later, Harrison. I'm going. See ya. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.